Hello, friends. This is Dan Jones with a quiet talk to share with you today. There are people who say they don't believe any sort of God exists. As a matter of fact, they go so far as to say that nothing exists except the material universe. If it isn't made of atoms and molecules, well, there ain't no such thing. These folks are called materialists. I think any common sense person out there will be able to easily see how wrong this idea is. So, you don't believe in anything that isn't material? Do you believe in justice? Everybody believes in justice. Nothing gets people uh, upset more than a clear and public example of injustice. When somebody gets away with murder and walks out of the courthouse with a smug grin, do these materialists tell everybody, don't get upset? There's no such thing as justice because it isn't made of molecules. That's ridiculous, of course. Justice exists. We know that every time we see justice trampled in the dirt. There's a great example of injustice in the Bible that I want to talk about today. It's the case of the young man named Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel. He was his daddy's favorite because he was born to Jacob's favorite wife. I don't have time to go into that saga, so just read Genesis chapters 29 through 50. It spells it all out. Now, Joseph had 11 brothers. Ten of them hated his guts. They hated him because he was his father's favorite. On top of this, Joseph had some dreams in which he was raised up above all of his family, and they all had to bow down to him. When he told everybody about his dreams, they were really ticked off. Now, if I'd been there, I would have told Joseph to just keep your dreams to yourself, but I guess the others knowing about them plays into the story later. So, one day, Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers, who are out in the wilderness somewhere with the sheep. When they see him coming, their hatred rises up inside them, and they decide to get rid of him. They were initially going to kill him, but their oldest brother, Reuben, talks them out of it. There was at least some sanity among these brothers. Instead, they throw Joseph into a pit, and later, Apparently, in Reuben's absence, they decide to sell him as a slave to some passing traders. Reuben had planned to come back and rescue Joseph and return him to his father, but now that's impossible. Joseph ends up in Egypt, working in the house of Potiphar, a high official there. Joseph is very wise, and Potiphar sees this and ultimately turns over everything to him, trusting him completely to manage all his property. The Bible says that Potiphar knew nothing about what was going on in his house except the food on his plate. Joseph was in charge of everything. But Joseph, being very handsome, attracts the attention of Potiphar's wife, who tries to seduce him. Joseph resists her advances. Listen to what he says to her. Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. 
how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Here he was in a foreign land. As far as his father knew, he was dead. And yet he upholds God's moral standards simply for God's own sake. What amazing character. Well, hell hath no fury and all that. So finally, Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of rape, and Potiphar throws him into the lowest dungeon in Egypt. He's there for almost 13 years for a crime he did not commit. You could even say that he was thrown in jail for upholding God's law. That's not right. That's not just. But he doesn't complain. He doesn't get mad at God. Instead, he becomes a faithful servant in the prison. And the head of the prison puts him in charge of everything. But finally, Joseph is freed. Because he had the ability to interpret dreams, he's brought before Pharaoh, who has had some dreams that end up relating to a famine that will take place in all the land. Joseph suggests a plan to avert mass starvation, and Pharaoh recognizes Joseph's talents and lifts him from the prison house to become second in command in the great and powerful nation of Egypt. Because of Joseph, when the famine comes, there is food in Egypt. But all around, people are starving. Back in Canaan land, the family of Jacob is suffering under the famine, and they hear there's food in Egypt. Jacob sends his sons to buy grain so they and their families won't die. Of course, when they arrive, they have to deal with Joseph, although they don't know he's Joseph. It had been over 13 years, and he was no doubt all dressed up like an Egyptian now. Plus, they could just would just never have expected to, to see him in this exalted position. The last time they saw him, he was down in a pit. But Joseph recognizes them. His dealings with them are too complicated to cover in this little talk, but the story is fascinating. I believe the story of Joseph and his brothers in the book of Genesis is the greatest novel ever written. But of course, it's not the product of some writer's imagination, but a genuine account of what happened with this amazing young man. So let's cut to the chase. Joseph does some things that appear kind of mean on the surface, but were intended to bring his brothers to repentance. It works. Now imagine what you would do in Joseph's place. The natural inclination would have been to kill his brothers on the spot. He could have done this and nobody in Egypt would have cared. But instead, Joseph forgives his brothers. He tells them that while their motives were evil, God was using the whole situation to get Joseph to Egypt and put him in a place where he could save many lives. My friend, have you been the victim of injustice? I'm sure many of you have. How will you respond? Will you become angry and bitter? Will you question God's management of this world? You could do that, or you could commit yourself and your future to God like Joseph did. Look at how he was faithful, even when still a slave and even a prisoner, unjustly accused of a crime he didn't commit. His response reminds me of the words of Peter in 1 Peter 2. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. 
For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Like Joseph and like Jesus, entrust yourself to the one who judges justly, who will one day make everything right. I want to close with the final interaction Joseph had with his brothers, his brothers who had hated him and sold him into slavery. This is the last conversation between them that the Bible records. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Oh, Heavenly Father, I want to be like Joseph. I want to have that godly character to live for God even when nobody's looking, to stand firm for the truth, and to forgive those who would offend me like Jesus has forgiven me. In his precious name, amen. My dear friend, please pray for us at the Bread of Life Anglican Church. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady at the American Legion Hall there. If you don't have a church home, you live in the area, we love to meet you. As always, you may reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God bless you richly.